So, this was a number of years ago when uh, Kendra and I were dating, and I asked if she would like to have dinner at the Sunbird. It has closed down now, that restaurant, the Sunbird, but have any of you eaten at the Sunbird? Yeah, so it's uh, this beautiful restaurant. I hope someone buys it and opens it back up, but it was, um, I guess I need my Bible to preach as well. Um, And so we went there, and we were going to meet Calvin and Karen Langford. However, they called, and something came up. And so it was just Kendra... And me there at the Sunbird, and we ordered our food. It was a very, very cold uh, night, and the wind was blowing, but the Sunbird has this little patio area that overlooks, and they had these bonfires there. And even though Kendra does not like cold at all, I said, hey, do you want to just wander out there and, and uh, look at the city a bit? So we went out there and got as close as we could to one of those fires, and we're overlooking the city, and then I got down on one knee, and I asked her to marry me. And uh, she cried some crocodile tears. They froze while they were (laughs) there. Um, And then we walked back in, and someone anonymously uh, paid for our dinner, which was really awesome. They saw us in the patio. I took that as a sign of good things for our relationship to come. You know, life is made up of a lot of invitations. Sometimes they are small invitations, day-to-day invitations. We say yes or no, those kind of things. But life is also made up of those really big invitations, those what I would call profound invitations that we know we have a sense that if we say yes, to those invitations, it's going to change our lives in significant ways. I would imagine that that Kendra had a sense that if she said yes, that it would change her her life in in profound ways. Did you know that Jesus, people estimate over the four Gospels, he gives over 50 invitations or commands. Did you ever think of that? A a number of invitations and commands. In fact, some people have organized a discipleship program simply around the invitations and the commands of Jesus. I'm convinced that we should pay attention and discover and look and study all of those invitations. And yet, I also believe, at least this is how God has been working in me, that there are a few invitations that he keeps returning me to again and again and again. That I, 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 I get drawn to these invitations, these, these words of Christ, and, and they have that, that sense of a very profound nature to these invitations that that if I say yes to them, my life is going to be transformed again and again and again. And in fact, over the last couple of years, 
I, I would say, really, since I've been journeying with the Lord, this first invitation that we're going to look at, I, I remember it was in college that I read this invitation and didn't really understand it a whole lot and what I was saying yes to. And yet, over the years, the Lord keeps returning me again and again to this invitation. And these three invitations have formed somewhat of, I would say, a, a powerful framework of how I follow the Lord, of how I pursue Him, how I experience His discipleship in my life. In fact, if you think about it this way, of course, Kendra and I were, were married at that point. We had that yet one special day, December 31st, right? And we don't get married every day. That would be way too expensive. However, every day I seek to say yes to Kendra in that marriage. I, every day I seek to say, yes, I want to pursue a healthy and a whole marriage with Kendra. So even though that invitation was on that uh, blistering night way back when, right, but, but every day both Kendra and I seek to say yes. And, and I'd like to share these three invitations of Christ that yes, there's a, a moment that I think he calls us for the very first time to say yes. But then there's this daily aspect, this regular rhythm of life that he invites us to say yes every day. Do you want to know what those three invitations are? I'm not going to tell you. Wait. I'm not going to tell you. I'm only going to give you the one. Now, if you can figure out the other two, email me. Let me know. It would be interesting to see if you can figure out, profound the other two. But we're... <laughs> well, there are 50, so it's going to be, it's going to be hard to figure it out. But my hope is that as you all hear these invitations, you'll go, oh, yeah. That's why Eric is so odd, because he's focused on these invitations. All right, the, the first one we're going to look at is in the Gospel of Matthew. If you've brought your Bibles, would you open to Matthew 11? And I would say that we are going to look at what I believe is the most beautiful of all the invitations and commandments that, that Jesus gives and there's not tons of context to this invitation. It's simply in the midst, in the middle of Jesus' ministry. And then he's sharing about the only way to the Father is through him. That revelation is coming through his life to people. And then this is the only gospel that this invitation is recorded in. It's at the very end of the chapter... Matthew 28, Jesus says to his disciples and he says to you and me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, there's the New King James, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I do remember reading that for the first time and going, who says that stuff? Like, what? Like, who gives that? And, and just, it, it, in fact, being a little bit overwhelmed just by the beauty of these words of Jesus. In fact, I, I think one of the reasons why they are so beautiful is because he reflects a little bit of who he is and his own heart to you and I. That he's saying, you know, if you, you think of invitations, like if you think of the, the kings through history and they're like, hey, come kiss the ring and I will give you Lands, wealth, fame, power, authority, right? Because I'm the king, and it's good to be the king. But this is almost like the opposite of that. Jesus, the, the one true king, Jesus, the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, the only begotten son of God, this Jesus who reigns right now at the center of the throne of God, this Jesus, he says, I'm lowly of heart. I'm gentle. I'm gentle of heart. Like this is why I can give this invitation. And then this invitation isn't to, to wealth or fame or any of the other normal stuff, right? This, this invitation, he says, of rest. But, but a deeper rest, perhaps a rest we, we don't fully get or understand the side of heaven, this, this rest that, that's a, a, a soul rest. A rest that I, I'm not really sure if, if we'd know it, if we had it just yet, that we have to figure out and unpack what is Jesus' meaning and talking about in, the, in this deep rest. I think this invitation is the most beautiful one, but also it, it stirs a lot of questions for me. Here are some of the, the questions that I think I've, I've walked through and want to walk with you a little bit this morning. The first question is, is this for me? Jesus says, if you're weary and burdened at a, at a deep and soul level, well, is it for me? How do I know if my soul is weary? Second question is, why a yoke? I, I mean, he's, he's talking about, he's talking about, he's using 
language like gentleness and humility and rest and soul. And then he makes part of that offer an instrument of labor, of work. It it doesn't seem to match. I, I don't get the connection. Why would Jesus use, we'll talk about what a yoke is and what he might have meant about that. And then the third question is, what does it mean to say yes? What's it mean to accept the invitation from Jesus? Important questions. All right, first question is this. Is this invitation for me? I I think that we, almost all of us know when we are physically tired, when we're physically worn out. When I was much younger, I did a a bike, a 64-mile bike ride in Wisconsin, and I slept for 13 hours after that bike ride. I was so tired, did it with a friend, right? We, we know when we're, we're physically tired, but do we know when there is a deeper weariness? Can we identify when our souls are tired? Because that's whom Jesus is making this offer to, to those of us who are tired. David expresses it this way in Psalm 6. I don't think he was physically under duress when he praised this to God, but he was spiritually under distress. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep Anguish. How long, Lord? How long? His bones were broken at this point. His, he was under this emotional distress, this relational and spiritual distress. And he's saying, almost poetically, really, Lord, my bones are aching because I can feel that. I, I think this invitation was for those like David who are experiencing that, that deep level anguish of of soul weariness. One of the ways to understand, I think, of this idea of burdens and and the weariness of the soul is more of a modern psychology expression where we talk about baggage. We've all heard baggage, right? Maybe not heard of of yoke, but but baggage we've heard. Um, and, And we can experience that baggage in a number of ways. From past, past experiences, we get some baggage. From our present day-to-day living and from our future, I would say we have some of that. When, when Kendra, Kendra and I were, were talking about um, just marriage and the possibility before I asked her to marry me, I said, sweetie, I just want you to know some people bring baggage into a relationship I have a U-Haul. And she's like, oh, sweetie, so do I. And I'm like, no, 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 really, I have a U-Haul. Bring. I just want you to know that, that, that sometimes from those past wounds, that hurt and those pain, they build up on us. And we carry those along. 
I think when Jesus was talking about those who are heavy laden or burdened, he was including some of us, uh, us who maybe we're a little bit older and we've had some of those harder experiences. And we're walking around with some of those burdens and baggage. I think of the future as well. For many of us, this unknown future, especially if we're younger, especially those folks that are still starting to ask the question, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? Who am I really? Boy, through the, this COVID, the, the levels of anxiety, unfortunately, suicide rates in El Paso County, all of these elements people are taking on, there, there's fear there's uh, uh, for the future of the unknown. Will we survive? Will we make it? Will life ever go back the same? All of that is like burden on the, soul, on the shoulders. Walking with young adults through this COVID, seeing that baggage that's piled on our shoulders. I think Jesus was talking a little bit about those future fears and concerns and worries, those anxieties. He's saying, for those of you who are heavy laden with those, come to me. And of course, I do think there is a, a present burden. They're not always bad, but just responsibilities of life. People who are, are depending on us. We're, we're wanting to be faithful and make good decisions and, and do right. This, uh, this past week, I just completed my first couple of assignments this past weekend and for, for the doctorate program I'm pursuing. So I, I pushed hard and got that. And then Pastor Tim came. You guys heard Pastor Tim and then Sunday night, we did ministry together, Sunday morning and Sunday night. And then Monday um, was a, um, uh, we had a Tim over with the staff and consistory. Tuesday was the upper room prayer. Wednesday was the kickoff of uh, Missing Jesus. Thursday was the big Desai family wedding that we had. And I turned to this passage and said, am I weary? Yeah, I, I'm spent, I'm, I'm tired. Lord, how do I live this invitation out today with all of this going on? I asked my extended family, I texted them to pray for me for a particular ministry that I was doing and they were texting back including Kendra, what, what happened, Eric? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on? And she texted back, Eric just got home. He's lost his personality. Let him eat some food and then he'll text you back. But that's what happens to me. Like I, get, I just get overwhelmed and I lose my personality, right? In that way. Some people get angry, right? Some people get short-tempered. I lose my personality. But the, and I was thinking, how do I live out and say yes to this invitation with this, these present bur burdens and concerns that I'm carrying? Now, I believe that a significant part of spiritual maturity is that we would grow in our awareness 
of the state of our soul. That, that we would grow an awareness of, am I tired? Am I weary? Am I stuck in some way? I had a pastor when I was very young in, in the ministry. He was talking to a group of us guys. He says, especially men. He said, men, sometimes you have to do a long-distance call to your head, to your heart, and saying, how am I doing? And that began a, a journey for me to go, yeah, what? why am I so angry? Why did I, I bring such malice to this conversation? I was upset, and it wasn't really worthy of that. What, what's going on here? Or sometimes this... The sense of loneliness or, or God, what is God? Why? why? I, I mean, it seems like I'm in a good place, but there's, there's something going on within me. I don't get it. And over the years, the Lord has been teaching me to say, pay attention to your heart. Pat, it, it's interesting. Jesus, again, and again and again directs people, don't, don't get lost on the outward things. Look at the heart. That's the source. That's the source. In fact, God isn't looking for those outward things like, like sacrifices. What he's really looking for is that contrite heart, that, that heart that is real and authentic before him. Have you ever been injured physically and, and you not know it? And it took you a while. Pete Barella organized a, a basketball game and we played and we had a fun time. And, and then I got home and Kendra's like, Eric, you have a black eye. I was like, oh, I've learned now that when I play with Pete, whether he's on my team or not, good chance he's going to hit me some way, shape, or form, right? I think that's true of the soul. I think our souls get bruised and hurt and injured in some way. And oftentimes we don't know it. And the Lord is trying to say, hey, listen, I, I'm trying to, to deeply form you. I, I'm trying to shape your, your heart, your mind, your will, your, your very soul into the image that I've created, that I died for you to live. I'm trying to shape, but if you don't know what's going on there, it's going to be hard for you to hear my voice. I would say that the one tool that has helped me more than any other tool uh, comes from some more contemplative traditions in the faith. Uh, some of you are familiar with the Ignatian spirituality. I've mentioned this before, but simply because this tool has become so powerful for me called the examine. I think it's rooted in, in Psalm 139 when, when David again says, he says, you know all things, God. You search out. I can't go anywhere from your presence. It's this beautiful psalm. I encourage you to later today read Psalm 139 and listen to how David ends the psalm. He says this, search me, God, 
and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, was God, if he... If David opens himself up to God and says, search me, was God going to discover some things that he didn't know about David's heart? <laughs> of course not. He's God. Then why would David invite the Lord to search him? Because David doesn't know. David, yeah, he's looking for the, he's saying in a beautiful model of prayer. He's being real and authentic. He's like, God, help me to determine the, my, my bruised soul, my anxious thoughts, and, and teach me so that you would lead me in the way everlasting. Right, so in others, if I'm, if I'm walking in this way that, that's not everlasting, that's not eternal, that's not God's way, then, then redirect me by helping me recognize my anxious thoughts to get on the right path, God's path, the everlasting path. I want to encourage you and invite you to, to do Simply read sometime today, maybe this evening before you go to bed, many ways to do what's called the examine. But read those verses and say, Lord, would you, would you help me recognize and see what's going on in my interior, that world? I've come to the conclusion that that this invitation is for me. That just living life so easily I take on these burdens from the past, from the present, from the future. That I walk with some of these things that Jesus says you don't have to walk with. You can give them to me. I, I'll take them. Second question is, why a yoke? Now, many of us aren't really familiar with a yoke, uh, what that is. It's, it's from farming. It's this heavy wooden harness, oftentimes, that they put, put over the shoulders of animals so that they can plow a field. We have a picture of that, right? So, that's the, so maybe an ox or um, a mule, they, they'd fit the, the yoke over the neck and then they would pull, um, um, whether it was tilling the soil or getting ready to, to plant seed, whatever that is. Now the question is, Jesus, if you're talking about rest and renewal, why a yoke? I mean, Jesus, I, I think you need to work on your sales pitch a little bit. How about like vacation home or timeshare? Wouldn't that be better, Lord? Or just come to me and I've got this. In Hawaii, you can go and, you know, Disneyland. Well, let's include Disneyland. Not an instrument of labor. Why would... Yes, Jesus, that sounds great. I'd like to put a wooden harness on my shoulder. Let's do it. All right? 
Why a yoke? What did, what did Jesus mean by that? I, I think what Jesus ultimately meant was he's offering a way of life. He's offering a way to live that, that's not free of work, of purpose, of meaning, of responsibility. But it is freeing of all those burdens that we should not be carrying. If you go back to Psalm 139, Kate, if you do that, remember that, that way of everlasting. Throughout Scripture, there's this language of the way, God's way, everlasting way. In fact, in, back in Deuteronomy, listen to this language. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him? And then he unpacks this way of love. He says, To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes statutes which I command you today for your good. That this way, if you walk in the ways, it leads to the great commandments of Christ. This is throughout Scripture. Like Jeremiah 6.16 says you're at a crossroads. Which way are you going to go? Will you choose your own way or God's ancient pathways? It's the good way. Psalm 27, 11, David says, Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path. Jesus is saying, if you come to him, that he will disciple you in these ancient pathways. He'll show you and me the way of this pathway. Kate, if you'd go to the second picture. And I think that you can have a yoke of an individual animal. But I think that Jesus meant this yoke to be a shared yoke. And, and who is he sharing that offering that we'd share the yoke with? He says, come to me. I'll help you pull. Come to me and we'll live life together. Come to me. I'm not going to strap you down and say, go there. No. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you in this way. Again, returning to David, think of many people's favorite psalm, Psalm 23. And David says, he says, yea, I like the New King James Version, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Said, I, I get it. There's going to be some tough stuff. There's going to be Areas that I got to walk through, shadow of death places. I get it, God. You've not promised me that it's all peaches and cream. I get it. I'm going to walk through difficult moments. 
but I will fear no evil, for you are. You're with me in it. You're with me. Your staff, they, they comfort me. Jesus is offering these ancient pathways. Perhaps that's the most important part of the offer is he's saying, come do life with me. I'll share your life. I'll, I'll be the resources you need. I'll provide for you. I'll pull you. I'll show you the way that we need to go. When you start going off, if you're connected, harnessed, yoked to me, I'll do the heavy lifting. Perhaps that's why he says it's easy and it's light. I'll take all the stuff that, that you shouldn't be carrying. I think at least that much I understood in college. I didn't quite get yoke. I didn't quite get burdens. I didn't get any of that. But when I read this invitation, I was like, well, if he's offering me a shared life, then I'm in, right? If, if he'll never leave me or, or forsake me, then I'll put whatever you want on my shoulders. As long as I get to be with you, Jesus, I'm in. So the third question, I think it leads to that. What does it mean to say yes? And again, I do think there's significance of salvation. He's offering salvation uh, in this invitation, but he's offering more than that. Yes, we say yes to Jesus. We invite Christ into our life. And if you haven't done that, I would encourage you. He's saying, come to me and receive life in this invitation. But at the same time, he's saying on a daily basis, would you come to me and say yes? And we're gonna talk a lot more about this next week, but I wanna talk about, just give a little sample of what it means to say yes. I would say that one of the ways that it say, says yes is to take off all the things that we're not supposed to carry. There's this really cool scene in the movie Shooter, but I failed you, I couldn't find the scene, all right? And I don't own the movie, but in the, this movie, it's with Mark Wahlberg. Have you, any of you seen that movie Shooter? Yes, some of you? And so he's try, he, was, he fought in a war and they try and pin an assassination on him. And the only place he's going, they're hunting him down. The only place he goes to his best friend, his wife, and he lost his best friend in the war. And so he shows up and she, he's been shot and so she fix him up and so forth. And then they're talking about the war and he's talking about his best friend, her husband that she lost in the war. And, and he's broken and he says, I couldn't get him out. I, I couldn't rescue him. He was, he was carrying the burden 
that her husband was lost in the war. And she says, generally she says, don't, don't you do that. Don't you take that from him. He knew the risks going into the war. She says, that's not your burden to carry. I think Jesus wants to do that again and again. That burden in your life, that, that diagnosis, that relationship, even that sin, that guilt of sin, those things are not your burden to carry. You know, if you think about a yoke, you really couldn't put two on your shoulders, right? You've got, it's only one. You couldn't have all of this burden and then still fit his yoke on your shoulders. No. To say yes is to say, all right, God, what, what am I carrying on my shoulders that I have to remove and take off and let down? Jesus is really the only one that can truly unburden us from all the junk that we carry. To walk with him is to give him all of those things. I'm happy to say, I don't mean this to be boastful at all, that U-Haul that I was carrying behind me when I married Kendra, I've done some hard work to unpack that sucker. I've done some daily work to unpack that sucker. And and maybe it's not completely clear, but man, we're on this journey of unpacking all that junk. So one aspect is taking off and then another aspect is putting on and learning. Learning, allowing. Again, I think this invitation is an invitation to discipleship, to daily learning and walking. Did you notice that when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me? Learn from me. Verse 30 says, um, he talks about it being easy. That's a Greek word, Christos. And, And it means easy, but it also can mean good or virtuous or well fitting. He's saying the things that I want to build this yoke on is going to fit your shoulders so well you might not even notice. Your work is not the toil and the angst. The work is life-giving and fills you with strength and hope and peace that you don't have to go off somewhere and rest. I'll provide that deep rest as you walk under this yoke. The Apostle Paul says this. Look at Ephesians 4 with me. He's ta- he says to 
the Ephesian Christians and to you and I. He says, stop living like the Gentiles. That was your old way of life. Stop it. Put it down. He says, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Paul goes on to say, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self. Take that junk off, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. The longer you leave that on your shoulders, the heavier, the more burden it's going to make you. No, no, no. Take that off to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying is that you've been designed for a particular way to live. You've been designed by your creator. He made you in his image. He knows the way in which you can walk in abundance and life and truth put that life on I'll teach you what that is day by day I'll show you I'll disciple you and I'll lead you out of the weariness of this world and into the abundance of life Amen. Do you want to say yes to that invitation? I want to say yes every day. Would you think with me for just a moment what life would look like if on a daily basis you said, all right, God, I did it again. <laughs> I got all this junk on my shoulders that's it's killing me. Would you take this? I told you I'd take it. No, no, no. I don't know if you could because I did this and this happened and that what. I'll take that. Give it to me. Can you imagine what life would be like if all of that junk, if the things, and you heard Jesus say, that's not yours to carry. I'll take it. Today, give it to me. It, it, it's, you're not supposed to carry that. And you said, God, okay, then I'll give you that. What do you have for me today? What would you place? Who do you want me to engage with? How do you want me to walk? Would you show me this? Part of my walk is that examine we use the language in this church, consolations and desolations. And more and more, I'm recognizing those desolations as the burdens that I'm supposed to give God. And those consolations as those that I'm supposed to receive from God. What I'm learning is that, that Jesus delights in making a bonfire of the world's yokes that I've put on my shoulders is no, let's, 
Let's take that, let's break those yokes and let's build a fire and burn them up. Wouldn't that be a beautiful way to live with no other burden, with no other anxiety, no other strain besides the yoke who's given by the only one who could give it, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who's gentle and humble in heart. And we let him place that yoke that leads not to death, but life. Life to the full. Sign me up for that invitation. Would you pray with me? For some of you as preaching, you could recognize those burdens, those things that are weighing you down physically or emotionally or spiritually. And Jesus wants to make a bonfire out of those yokes. By his spirit, he wants to burn those up. They come in different forms like guilt or shame or worry or depression. And you know they're exhausting you. You feel them in your bones like David. Would you take this time just between you and the Lord just to take that burden and put it at the bonfire. Put it in the bonfire. Right at the foot of the cross. Just burn it up. Jesus says, I'll take it. It's not for yours to carry.